All right, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. Walter, a lot of stuff to talk about this week. We're going to stray a little bit, I think, from the big news path. Although, I guess we should, you know, we should talk, I guess, about the big story. Tucker moving to Twitter. Do you have thoughts mm-hmm. about it? Do you, want to, do you want to say anything about it? Or Well, to me, it was inevitable, probably. There's only one castle large enough on the landscape to shelter a runaway at this point in the media. And uh, that he would end up there didn't surprise me at all. Uh, it's, a, it's a fairly um, interesting, dramatic move because he's still on uh, the payroll at Fox, though he has, uh, he has eschewed taking payment. He's, he's given up his multi-million dollar um, contract and said, I'm going solo over at Twitter. Uh, from Elon, we hear that he will have no special deal, um, that he'll simply be another uh, paid Twitter account, probably instantly the largest one uh, or most remunerative. And uh, so, so though I'm not surprised, it does wake one up to see somebody, you know, turn down tens of millions of dollars on principle, even though he may easily make it again. and incur the wrath of the entire, you know, Murdoch empire legally, because uh, I, I think there's already, I think there's already lawfare between them starting. Um, hmm. Yeah. So, so I don't know when that's going to start as an actual program. Um, and uh, I do look forward to it. I look forward to seeing what can be done in non-traditional media to showcase these big talents. Uh, I think it's unprecedented. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an attempt to kind of create a third pole of media, right? Which hasn't been done at scale. We'll, we'll see how that works out. The fight back against it is going to be interesting because it will not only come from Fox. Tucker will take his legacy of, you know, haters and, and, and enemies and institutional doubters and so on over to Twitter, where Elon has already accumulated quite a fine set of adversaries himself. And uh, when they combine, I, I don't imagine they will go unmolested. I'm sure there'll be advertiser, further advertiser boycotts. Yeah, I think that will step up yeah. to a significant degree even. Elon has also named a new, I don't know if he's named her, but her name has come out, a new uh, CEO for Twitter, um, a woman from NBC. Mm. I, I, I forget how to pronounce it. Um, and uh, I don't know if that was in any way synchronized with the Twitter, I mean, with the Tucker move um, to have a big TV uh, executive suddenly on the scene. But... Uh, Something's happening there, and uh, you know we'll break up the ice flow. I hope somewhat. Um, you know to play to show my card. I, I I like to see change in this landscape. I th- I think it's reached its sort of logical levels of absurdity, and and, and really re- requires uh, a rearrangement. Um, whether that whether it will be successful or whether it will even be allowed now is all up in the air. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a part of me wonders, uh, has always wondered if our system would work better 
not as a binary, which is what we've done for so long. You know, we have, we try to divide the entire world up into two modes of thought, you know, neither of which are wholly attractive to most people. And, you know, it's become stricter and stricter over the years. Would, would the system be better if it was actually three big political polls? Um, there was more and more horse trading went on and, you know, that's a possibility, but we have to see whether that's tolerated or not, because the entire direction of modern politics is to make sure that, you know, there really isn't a whole lot of choice, not real choice. Uh, so, well, I mean, on a microcosmic scale, the media landscape in the U.S. may be um, experiencing the same uh, move from unipolarity to multipolarity that we're seeing on the global scale. Maybe the BRICS countries are coming, uh, an equivalent to the BRICS countries is coming in in, in the domestic landscape. Um, you know, just as you know, just as China, Russia, India, and Brazil, etc., have um, started rearranging the global landscape, maybe there's going to be uh, a more power diversity in, in, in the domestic media landscape. Um, I don't know. So far, it seems to me that the mainstream has done a pretty good job of protecting its turf. I saw last week that there is a uh, New York Times Google deal where Google is going to pay the New York Times $100 million to, I'm not sure what, favor it with content or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is the, this is the kind of competition averse situation that is, it's the only way that these gigantic media organizations can continue to exist because they don't, they don't have an organic draw, I don't think, but they, they can certainly live off the breadcrumbs of Google's advertising empire. But what was interesting is, is the directionality of this deal. It's Google paying the New York Times. It's not the New York Times paying Google for for preferred placement. It's the it's Google paying the New York Times for preferred placement. I am not sure. Right. We'll have to figure out how how the money flows work in that. But you know, at this point, ever since they started doing this thing where with uh, Project Owl, where they're elevating authoritative content um, and suppressing alternative content. You know, that started really in the first year of Trump administration. What we've seen is that, you know, if if you go on a Google search and you and you enter almost any term, the first forty or fifty things you get are going to be from sources that you you probably don't like very much or you don't entirely trust. There's very little idiosyncratic media that's in there, even if you directly search for something that they they've written about. And maybe they just need to subsidize uh, these organizations a little bit so that, um, you know, they, they continue to exist, even though people are, you know, have learned to stop clicking on the first search result and are, are going to other media and getting their, their media from other places. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, but. I, I, in in many ways, we live in a post market economy in terms of media. Yeah. Um. In in which uh now we are to uh we are to prefer the bigger, more authoritative 
uh, establishment-adjacent uh, outlets because they're better rather than because we like them or we want their product or they do a better job. Uh, they might in many cases, but that's that's the old way of thinking. Um, you know, I, I, you see this in Hollywood too, where uh, a lot of writers I know gripe that Hollywood is pushing content uh, on the country that country doesn't necessarily want. Witness, you know, the shrink shrinkage at Disney and other places, um, and so so ideology and sort of regime adjacency and um, uh, synergy with the other big corporations seems to be uh, at a premium over uh, serving the customer or, 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 or and uh, that, that this seems to be a case of that to me. I don't know how the New York Times covers the technology landscape in anything like an objective fashion when it is literally being paid by Google at this level, a hundred million dollars. Yeah. And this is a, not to be too self-referential here, but this is a constant theme of what we've seen in the uh, Twitter files, which is um, the sort of regular downranking of competition or, or trying to dissuade would-be competitors from acting like competitors. Uh, you know, we found a document that, that Harvard had sent to Twitter to share it was actually recommendations to the Biden administration for how to handle content. Uh, and there's, there's some pretty sca- weird stuff in there and it's, it's not a breaking news story only because this, this, this letter was actually published at some point. Just nobody noticed it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things it talks about is we, you know, we enc- we're encouraging information sharing between industry and government companies should be encouraged to participate more, more vigorously and, Information sharing programs with a commitment to disseminate corporate intelligence on foreign and domestic disinformation activity. Uh, the industry should also provide this intelligence to, to federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies. And this just gets back to the whole like shared endeavor thing that gets repeated over and over again in a lot of these anti-disinformation theories of how the media is supposed to work. We, you know, we've seen it with the industry meetings inside Twitter, where they are getting together with Pinterest and Wikimedia and, uh, you know, Instagram and all these other companies meeting with the FBI and each other. And then they'll go to conferences and there'll be representatives of big news media organizations there. The idea that, you know, they're all going to kind of work together in some way, they're going to share information and, and, you know, market intelligence with each other and you know, it's an, it's an anathema to, to the way media used to work. Um, but they, this is the new vision, I guess. But it won't work with, I don't think it's going to work with Tucker Carlson and Twitter, you know. so. Well, thus, thus my interest in seeing that project develop. Um, uh, I'll be honest, I don't use Google that much anymore. Um, I'm tired of that first page of BS. Uh, and the second page of BS, uh, I try to refine my searches such that I can get past that um, uh, in, into a more focused res- set of results, or I go elsewhere. Um, across the board, in terms of my media use, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I have uh, adjusted my behavior uh, because 
I know that I am looking at a monolith that wants to uh, blot out much that's of interest to me, at least, uh, at every turn. And so counter-programming that thing has become part of my behavior um, because I, I really, you know, people say, Walt, why don't you watch the news? Why don't you watch cable more? Da, da, da. And it's because I know what they're going to say. You know, I, I don't need at right. this, I don't need at this point to keep getting the same results, the same harangues, the same, uh, you know, approved message, uh, battering me into submission. I, I can already write it myself in my head before I even get there. And I'm trying to learn something new about the world. Um, and, uh, that's getting harder. So that very behavior that, that you describe is the kind of thing that would arouse the suspicion of this new program that we're learning about that came out this week, courtesy of the uh, Foundation for Freedom of on, uh, for Online Freedom or Freedom Online, by way of a group called what is it? America First Legal. Um, yeah, America First Legal. So I, I don't know much about this organization. I'm assuming that it's it's conservative. It, it bills itself as a as an answer to the ACLU, which is, you know, something that we've seen before from other kind of right leaning organizations. Doesn't matter. They 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 filed a FOIA, um, a Freedom of Information request about basically about programs within the Department of Homeland Security. I I can imagine where they got the idea for this Freedom of Information request because. Um, DHS for a while now has been producing some very weird stuff on the kind of quasi entertainment front where they, they put out, um, they put out their own versions of like public service messages in the forms of like graphic novels. Like they have one called bug bites. Um, that's just like creepy beyond belief. What, what's uh, it about? It's so first of all, it's written by Clint Watts, who's the Hamilton 68 ex FBI guy. Um, but it's, it's this graphic novel where, you know, disinformation ends up, um, you know, causing some gigantic piece of infrastructure to explode somehow. And, uh, you know, I, I can't even remember the plots. They're so ridiculous. That where it, where, that where does one, where does one obtain these, uh, wonderful government produced graphic novels by former law enforcement agents? I mean, I, I I'm so, so very moved to want these on. Yeah, but I believe there there there's a version that's like it may even be animated. I'm not sure that that you can find on YouTube. You you can find it if you look for it. Let me see if I I can actually pull it up right now. Anti propaganda propaganda cartoons. Can't wait for that new wrinkle in the entertainment landscape. They should just do a movie of the week brought to you by Homeland Security. Well, right, yeah, exactly. That's that's what it is. Man, it's it's hard to find. Maybe I remember spelling bug bites wrong. Maybe it's B Y. Oh, I bet it is. I bet they're it using, Here we using go. those yeah. puns there at the government uh, writing shop. Here it is. Bug bites, a CISA graphic novel. Celebrate uh, infrastructure security month by reading bug bites, our second graphic novel in our resilience series. When was infrastructure security month? I missed it. I guess it must have been November 2021. Wow. Wait. We're going to have to go back in time and catch up. 
Follow Ava as she uncovers a hashtag disinformation campaign set to damage critical communications infrastructure and so distressed. So is a sick here. It's S E W according to um, CISA. Uh, mm-hmm. Get your copy here and uh, let's hang on a second. Can you hear that? This is for kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can you hear that? Can you hear that audio? My name is Ava Williams. Welcome to the beginning of my journey for truth. My father works at the local communications company and was ambushed in a tower he was called out to fix. His attackers were incited to violence by disinformation. They wrongly believed there's a link between 5G and COVID-19. Disinformation has caused too much pain. So, I'm taking the problem head on. This is the chairman. We don't have much time. It's so horrible that that it's it's like beyond funny. Um, so so, ki- so kids in their in their kid use of the internet are supposed to somehow come across uh, the promotion for this uh, cartoon about disinformation, and then they're actually yes. supposed to order the thing over online. No, I think they're just supposed to um, or adapt download. their behavior. You know. Yeah. It, oh, you watch you know, it online. Like, you watch it online. It's like Smokey the Bear for disinformation, basically. I, oh, ex- um, Smokey the disinformation bear. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Wow. So, so they've been doing this. They have this thing called the Resilience Series. And I even sent out a FOIA about this, um, which they've to date ignored, although I didn't send it that long ago. Um, and I can imagine that uh, America first may have done something similar, um, to try to find out what other, um, games or interactive things there might be, uh, in the works. So they, I, I can't find the original foil letter, but anyway, what, what they produced, what they got back, um, was a, something called the DHS OTVTP choose your own adventure online. Um, and this is a it's a it's a it's a proposal for a series of videos uh they want to create 15 total scenes and i guess i should just read from some of this bystanders are presented with three different this is this is dhs copy by the way right right so uh this is from the proposal bystanders are presented with three difficult choices that approximate real life decisions at the end of each scene um, at the end of each branch after viewers have made three choices impacting the potential radicalization of others a dhs employee reviews the path they have chosen and highlights key learnings in an interview that expands on how radicalization and potential violence may occur in the scenarios um, and so basically the, the the proposal lays out this is all about um sort of opposing finding ways to intervene it's intervent interventions to, to stop radicalization right and so they have all of these um characters who are possible um possibly being radicalized and you are presented with a series of choices about what you would do in that situation um, oh, can i when, guess as you did can I guess what you sure. do? 
Um, okay, so who who are the bad guys again? The putative uh, uh, people undergoing radicalization. Well, what, what do you want? Do you want me to just read you one of them? It, it, yeah, we, I'll introduce you to one of them. Hang on a second. Yeah, uh, one of them is is really interesting. Um, this is anti gov anti gov slash authority abusive parent stepdad. Uh, radicalization suspect's name is Pete. He is a late 30s white man, um, and he is surrounded by the following bystanders, a friend, neighbor, and bartender. Profile setup. Visually, we see a portrait of our protagonist, Pete, along with stock footage that you can associate with a suburban dad, lawnmower, lazy boy, etc. Sound effects help build Pete's environment. Then there's a picture of Pete, and he's kind of got like a, a sort of trimmed beard and folded arms looks a little defiant anyway uh voiceover this is pete a married guy with uh two two children two small children he's been in the neighborhood for five years but really hasn't gotten to know any of the neighbors he works nine to five and he's often seen hanging out at the local bar afterwards he seems like a quiet guy and mostly keeps to himself first scene at chris's home you are pete's friend chris sitting in front of your computer looking at pete's social media posts You've been friends online for a couple of years, and Pete has always seemed like a decent guy, but recently you've noticed changes in his behavior online that alarm you. You've even seen him post on some radical sites with violent tendencies. Mm. Friend bystander choices. Choice 2A1. Contact, contact Pete's wife and ask if, not, if she's noticed any new activities. Kid's supposed to, a kid is supposed to contact the wife of a, a local grown man? No, no, no. You're you're his friend. So I'm you're, oh, okay. you're I'm assuming you're a peer. Choice oh, okay. two is to wait until you see Pete at softball next week to ask if he's really in- interested in these new groups. Um, and then maybe you could guess what choice two, uh, choice three is. Um, break into his house, steal his computer, and send it to the Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> Almost. Choice two A three. Keep closer tabs on Pete's online activity. Um, and then there, you know, there's a whole series of these and, uh, a lot of them end up being, you know, with choices that, that involve talking to authority figures at the end. Um, so let's see if I can find a good one. So what we're talking about just to keep the, uh, audience abreast is a, quote, choose your own adventure series of tales put out by the Department of Homeland Security in which uh, the reader, the audience, is supposed to learn to identify potentially radical people by Mm -hmm. superficial characteristics like white, close-trimmed beard, abusive, it was even said in the setup. Uh, yeah, they didn't was, really clar- clarify where the abuse the, it, it, was. Yeah, what the abuse yeah. was. A new yeah. guy, a new white guy with a close trimmed beard and beard in the neighborhood is um, doing uh, things on social media that uh, aren't kosher in some way. It isn't specified, and then it gives you a, a tripartite action plan for how to neutralize or get Pete in trouble <laughs> or, 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 right. and, or, yes. and, or stop his radicalization. But, but, but yep. I will. Yep, exactly. But as in most literature, all the real points are in the setup. And then what happens later is just kind of um, secondary. Uh, 
it is the portrait of Pete that they put forward in the beginning that will, you know, burn itself into the minds of those 17 people who actually go to Homeland Security for directions in their real life. Right. Um, right. Who else besides the 30 year old white guys who go to, uh, you know, local ball games and have suspect social media profiles? Are, are we to watch out for, Matt? Are there any other? There, there's a whole bunch. There, there, there's a, um, there, there's a teen who uh, doesn't get along with an ethnic teammate um, in, on some kind of sports team. I think it's soccer. Um, and there's a, uh, there is one kind of left leaning person, and that, and she, and she's uh, portrayed as kind of multi ethnic. Uh, but she goes away to college and starts experimenting with veganism and just gets too intense about it um starts accusing people of being murderers because they eat hamburgers and you're supposed to and and you're supposed to chill her out somehow and get her to eat meat i i doubt that okay yeah they threw that one in yeah i think they they you know it's they don't want to have it be too monolithic um my favorite though is is ann the middle-aged pro-life advocate um and again, we see we are we are to see her presented with stock footage that we we would associate with the suburban mom, laundry, minivan, etc. Um, Anne is a resident of Elkville in rural America. She has always been religious, but since the death of her mother, she's become increasingly devout. She's a regular in the small town community, active in several church groups. While she's always been protective of her four kids. She's become increasingly more concerned about the welfare of other children, including the unborn, which is a strange thing to say, by the way. Remember when liberal remember when the liberal establishment used to warn us about profiling people? I mean, (laughs) here, you know, now minivan laundry, recent death of parent are three strikes that should cause extra scrutiny uh, from just civilians. I can't wait for the first. DHS detective movie in which, you know, a, a, a well-balanced 17 <laughs> year old um, starts to notice in her neighborhood. It's like a reverse invasion of the body snatchers, uh, various people becoming, you know, starting to read the Bible. Um, uh, I don't know, putting a flag sticker on their truck and so on. And she penetrates. Well, that's what the, this is. It's in, yeah, it's invasion of the body snatchers, right? Yeah. How to be a narc. And, and how to be a narc and how to see signs of behavior that we that it is implied we will reward you for narking on. I mean, c- because the whole the whole premise of this thing is, hey, kid detective or, you know, volunteer neighborhood watch ra- anti-radicalization mom. Uh, here are the things to look for. And you probably won't suffer at least for, from our realm for turning these people in right right yeah exactly uh and i mean they're they're unbelievably explicit about the steps that you should take um when you start noticing certain behavior maybe you could guess the three choices that come up after this scenario how to deal with minivan mom who minivan mom after who has become religious following the death of her parent Hmm. Yes. Uh, I've never heard of any more outrageous crime than that. But let's see. I suppose you 
you can go up to her and talk to her. That's always one of them. Um, but wait, you have to you have to, you have to hear the scenario. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're you're Anne's hairdresser. You've been Anne's hairdresser for years. During one of Anne's visits, she brings up pro-life arguments mm-hmm. and begins ranting, saying something should be done to put a stop to the Planned Parenthood office in the next county. She shares videos of violent protests on her phone, and you notice increasingly more militant language from Anne. After you wrap up the appointment, you... And then there are three choices. Take a scissors and jab it in her right ear. Call (laughs) DHS and have her body bagged and taken down to headquarters. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I mean, you are in possession of a weapon as as her hairdresser, so you can end this right away. Yeah, that's right. You could you could solve this right here and now. Right. 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 Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm, you know, shut up at the hairdresser is, is, is the moral of this one. I mean. This is an ad for the Floby, man. I'm going to get the Floby and cut my own hair, lest I be stabbed by my hairdresser for for talking about, you know, pro-life issues. If I, or if even that was surfing. Su- yeah. I mean, I don't tend to talk about pro-life issues at all, or let alone at the hairdressers, but I'm sure that, you know, as this thing gets a bigger budget, the, the number of suspect behaviors will multiply. In fact, DHS will probably provide us with an AI program where we can put in three behaviors and find out if we're in the presence of a dangerous radical. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll merge it with Google Glasses so that we can, we can instantaneously detect whether we're in the presence of radicalizing right. behavior. We have maybe. a Google Glass. We're walking down the street. We see someone get out of a minivan. That's click one. If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week. To hear the full version for more articles and content, please subscribe to Racket News at taibi.substack.com.